something really stupid to open the show here today. Andrew Dowdy on the High Motor Podcast, my close personal friend Jason Churchill alongside me today filling in, and we're going to provide a public service here soon for you, fix the college basketball regular season. But first, I want to do something absurdly stupid. May I have the floor? Because I know that you're going to think this is completely asinine. So may I just have the floor for some stupidity? No. I was texting a Chiefs buddy (laughs) this week. I was going to keep going no matter what you said. <laughs> right on. I, I was texting a Chiefs buddy this week, first Chiefs Super Bowl of his lifetime. So obviously he's fired up, you know, beyond belief, like like all Chiefs fans are. And I, I, I mess with him a little bit generally, and I asked him how much it would take for him to miss the Super Bowl, like just not watch, not just attend it, but not watch it. You can never watch it. None of it highlights full game. You never get to see any snap of the Super Bowl, your first Super Bowl of your lifetime. He said if you put five hundred grand in front of him, he considered just about doing anything. What is your number and what is that game for you that, that you would actually miss it and never have it be a part of your life? Well, I am a master negotiator, Mr. Dowdy. So there is I no would, negotiating. You give me I the would, number and that's I just would, it. I would hold out for as much as I could get, but it wouldn't take five hundred thousand for me to What's the number? Like a hundred grand? And this is this is it's Less, almost, to be honest with you, like like what makes an impact on your life? Like twenty grand, ten grand, fifty grand, like even that. Like anything that's gonna impact like and, and people are gonna say, Well, then you're not just not that big of a sports fan. You're not that big of a and I live out here in Seattle, so the Seahawks are my team, like so it's not that important for you. Um the thing is win or lose I'll still know they win or lose, right? Yeah. I could go to the parade and everything and celebrate the win. I could look at the box score. I just can't watch highlights or watch any part of the game ever. Like, you might be able to give me for, like, 50 grand because 50 grand is, you know, that does a lot. Yeah, I think I'm in that ballpark, too, because I feel like 50, depending on if you you own your house or rent or whatever, that's going to cover you for... I don't know, 10 years, depending on, or maybe not quite that long, but that's going to take care of like all of your life's expenses. Even if you or... live in New York City, dude, I, I got some buddies that uh, that live in New York City, they work in Bristol, and they, they won't move to Connecticut, even though the rent in, in Manhattan is ridiculous. I got, a, I got a buddy who's paying $7,300 a month for one rent. bedroom. Right. It's like a one in a partial that he uses for like a workspace, right? And he commutes to work three or four days a week. So like 73, like even in New York City, 50 grand pays your rent for what? More than half the year? That's still impactful. Or just invest it. Get this, get the kickback of 7% or whatever. Compound that for, if you're 30 years old, compound that for 25 years. I mean, it's not just 50 grand now. It's whatever that's worth you know, 25 years from now when you're retiring. I don't know what the number is. That's why the question is so stupid because I think it also depends. Like I was thinking about this question today again and 
as much like I'm a Packers fan, as much as I want to see a Packers Super Bowl, the number for that is less than like a, a Kansas National Championship football game because that's just not going to happen. Whereas I'm confident that the Packers at some point in my lifetime would do it. So if Kansas got to the National Championship, even though I would probably consider myself a bigger Packers fan than a Kansas football fan, I would put more on a game like that. So that that's kind of what makes the question odd. Is is it ever going to happen again? Like in your area, how many Washington football fans or Washington basketball fans, even though they might be a bigger Seahawks fan or bigger Mariners fan or whatever, they would put more money, they would want more money to miss a Washington National Championship game, basketball or football, as opposed to like a Seahawks Super Bowl. Because Seahawks are going to be there at some point. I mean, the front office has proved that they can adapt and they're and whatever, however long Russell's are long for, they, they're going to get there at some point. Stupidest question ever, right? I, I like it. And, and you know, it's a lot of booze, man. $50,000 buys you a lot of booze if that's your thing. And and, and if it's not your thing, give, give it a shot. You never know. So a few days ago, I checked in with you for an agenda for this show. You asked me what was on my mind. And I think at the time when you asked me that, I think I was watching the end of West Virginia Texas Tech basketball Texas Tech got the huge win for their resume. I think that was on Wednesday night. I mean, it was a fine game, but Texas Tech was basically in control the entire night. I wasn't that into the game, and I'm a huge Big 12 guy, so I should have been more into that. But I was not that into that game, and I haven't really been 100% into that many games this year. I watch a lot of college basketball, but actually 100% enthralled, invested in a game, not necessarily even the outcome of the game, but how it's being played, I haven't really been there this year, and I'm not even sure that I was there last year the last couple years. So to your question of what was on my mind, I told you that the college basketball regular season sucks, and I think it does. So you said let's fix it. But first, first a question for you. You didn't even say if you agree with it. Do you agree that the regular season is not great? And if so, B, is it because the NCAA term is so much fun that it takes away what happens in the regular season? I don't think so because we're not sitting in the middle of an NCAA tournament and comparing what we just watched to the regular season that we watched a month ago, for example. We're, we're not doing that. We're, we're sitting in the middle of the regular season or getting toward the tail end of the regular season, and we're thinking about how boring it's been, relatively speaking. And, and yeah, I, I do. I, I think it's it's the worst regular season in sports. Now, some people say baseball, but then those people probably aren't baseball fans to begin with. If you're a baseball fan, the daily grind is the part you love. Like the postseason, the postseason almost sucks in comparison. But when you look at college, it it means so little. So, so the answer, part of the answer, and I'm sure we're going to get to this in a second, but part of the answer is make it more meaningful. And that's what we're trying to do here is fix it. And you brought up baseball. I also think, I'm not an NBA guy, but I can't imagine how the NBA regular season is that great with how little parity you have. And baseball, I think it's just different. Baseball is just a different sport for people. Even though I'm not as big of a baseball fan as you are, I see baseball more as just like a leisure daily activity. I know that it's going to be on at 6:10 or 7:10 every, every every single night, and I'm just going to sit down and enjoy it. So I think it's different there. But yeah, so we both agree that college basketball regular season sucks. We have some great games. But there, there aren't that many great games, and even when there are great games, the stakes just aren't there. So we're going to fix it. I have some ideas. You have some ideas. I'm going to start with, with a couple of things. Actually, yeah, the two things here that are semi-related. This is something that I can't believe mid-major conferences haven't even done yet to make the regular season more meaningful. Part one of this two-part thing. One, 
eliminate the NCAA tournament playing games, go back to 64 teams. So that means shrinking that large field by four, go back to uh, go back to 64, 32 and 32, 32 automatic qualifiers, 32 at large. And the second part of this is make those top conference tournament seeds more important. Give them the double buy, the triple buy for the one seeds. Like, for example, I went back. This is for all you Big West fans that are listening. The Big West last year. So you see Irvine just completely dominated the conference in the regular season. 15-1. and one, They won the conference by five games, got the one seed. And this is a neutral site term, and that's why I picked it. Because in some mid-majors, a lot of mid-majors, the, the one seed gets the, the home court advantage. I think that is huge. That's what I like about that. But with this, a neutral site tournament in Anaheim, as neutral as really they can get in the Big West, yeah, I get Irvine's close. But anyways, so it's not like you get the home court advantage like the higher seed in some conferences do. Anyways, UC Irvine goes 15-1, and one, the two seed last year. UC Santa Barbara went 10-6. and six. So both UC Santa Barbara and UC Irvine get a bye into the semifinals even though UC Irvine just ran train on UC Santa Barbara the entire season. But that's it. Like they're they're getting the same reward. So Irvine's reward for going 15 and 1 is getting to play the 5 seed in the semifinals instead of the 3 seed last year. And, and this isn't a great example because Irvine did win the Big West tournament anyways, but still there's there's such little at stake here and to be very clear, I'm not at all suggesting if the Big West had a double bye to the championship, that it would make college basketball that much better. I watch a lot of college basketball. So do you. Neither of us are going to sit down and watch that much Big West basketball during the season. So let's be honest, it is the Big West. I love mid-major conference tournaments, but it's still the Big West. What is your take on that? Do you want to see, And I, like I said at the beginning, I'm surprised that they haven't done this. And I know that money is a huge part of it because this is one of the few opportunities for for like the Big West, the CAA, whoever, to actually get some media money. So when they've asked conference commissioners, why not just put your one seed uh, all the way into the the conference championship game or like what the Ivy did where you have just the regular season winner do it, and that way you get a better team in the NCAA tournament, better chance of advancing. It's the media money there. So what is your take on that? Do you think that there should be more reward, not just mid-majors? Should the, the Big Ten regular season champion be given more of a reward than just right now that double buy into the quarterfinals? Well, first of all, I hate conference championships. I, I hate the tournament. I I, I do. It, it's the the problem with it is. I mean, I think we can all. Well, I don't want to say that actually because I don't know how you feel about this. But if you're telling me that I'll take Washington for example because that's where I live and that's the team I follow a little more closely than everybody else. They win the regular season tournament. And then in a in a small sample conference tournament at the end of the year, they don't win the tournament, so they're not conference champions. I mean, GTFO. I mean, what what are we talking about here? Like seriously? And the, the, you know, the the it's different than football because you're actually using hey, you have the North versus the South or the West versus the East, whatever conference you're talking about, and they play each other. There's some sense to that, but you're telling me that you just played the majority of the conference, if not the entire conference, again, depending on what conference you're talking about, and you went 16-2 and two or whatever, and the next closest team was 12-6, and six, and then you lost in a semifinal in a conference tournament, and you're not the conference champion? I mean, it's all about the money there. So if we're going to fix the college basketball regular season, how about let's just get rid of the conference tournaments to begin with? 
So just take this to another step. You don't even want to say, let's give more weight to the one seed. No. You're saying, I, I, the only problem I have with that is that I love, selfishly, I love the conference tournaments. I think it's fun as hell to, to watch UNC Asheville against whoever play for, for a trip to the NCAA tournament. That's just a fun game to watch. Like the UMBC-Vermont game a couple years ago that ultimately launched what UMBC did providing one of the, the best moments in probably sports history. So that's what I want to keep. That being said, it irritates. That's why I brought this one up first, because it irritates me so much that these teams are not getting rewarded, like you said, for 14, 15, 18 conference games over two and a half months, battling injuries, going on the road, doing all this. And now we're going and playing three games in three days and wherever state, and you happen to lose one by one point on, on some foul at the end. That part makes no sense to me. So I'm willing to go that far. I'm willing to sacrifice how much I enjoy conference tournaments. I want to see the best teams in the NCAA tournament, and that's not what we're but don't getting. You think, just because- don't you think that happens uh, at least when it comes to the Power Five conferences? Like the best teams, the best teams pretty much get in anyway. I mean, every, every once in a while there's a bubble team, but then those bubble teams we're not really concerned about anyway. The best teams get in, and they get the seed that they probably deserve the vast majority of time, right? So we're really talking about those mid-major tournaments. You mentioned UNC Asheville. You want to see uh, a team like that get a shot. Um, to, to get on a hot run in, because that's part of the beauty of it. It's all Cinderella thing. You want the one to beat the 16. You want the two to beat the 15 or, you know, unless you're the 15 or the 16, but it, here's a fix for that. Okay. Let's eliminate conference tournaments, all conference tournaments for every conference. Okay. Um, the mid and, and instead have a mid major tournament. How would that work? Okay. So again, I haven't worked out tons of the details, but it wouldn't necessarily be a tournament where you come up with a mid-major champion. It would be a tournament among the mid-major conference teams that helps decide which teams are the better seeds. So it's an opportunity to provide. It's kind of like well, like ESPN used to do bracket busters for a long time, where they, late in the season there would be you know one game where they would flex it out, and it would be like Wichita State against Gonzaga this weekend, or like if um, Loyola Chicago is playing well, they would play. I don't know, Nevada or something like that. Or it's also kind of like what Conference USA has done. Now it's also one of, one of my things here to make it better. What Conference USA done has with their flex scheduling late in the season where I think it's their final two games of the year. And granted, again, it's Conference USA. So I'm not even sure how many people care about this, but they've they've put their, I think it's their top four teams the last two games of the year play each other to give those teams an opportunity to improve their resume if for what ha- this happens a lot in mid-majors when the, the top-ranked team doesn't win the conference tournament and they're not suddenly they're a, a one-bid league instead of a two-bid league or something like that. But you're suggesting something like that where you grab every mid-major or just like 16 mid-majors and have them play together and build up their resume? How many teams, how many mid-majors are there? That's the question. I mean, I mean, Gonzaga is not a mid-major, right? But their conference is a but their mid-major. Conference is, so they would be included in that mid-major. But here's the thing. Um, at the end of the regular season, okay, um, and, and because I'm going to throw a twist at this with you too, it, at the end of the regular season, it's pretty easy to say, okay, Gonzaga is a top four seed. Uh, Nevada is a top four seed. Uh, San Diego State's not – things like that. When those things happen, we're pretty – so maybe they get buys all the way to the, the semifinal or the final. And I just think you split this up into halves or fours. So it's not like a true tournament where you're going to have one mid-major champion. And here's the twist. How about relegation rules for conferences? So it's not always the same exact conferences. If there's a, if there's a mid-major conference out there that's been better 
and you'd have to come up with a system for that. There are some computer systems out there that grade the conferences that you know, Ken Palm, uh, you know, type formulas that maybe we could use or at least start with. What if the Pac-12 just isn't one of the best five conferences in college basketball? So why should they just be given this? Well, they don't have to play in this, and and they don't have to have a conference tournament. Maybe it's the maybe it's Conference USA this year. So in that way, if you if you have to play in the quote unquote mid major tournament, that's just kind of my default name for it because I have no idea what else to call it. Because to be honest with you, this idea just came to me in the last ten minutes. Then maybe the conference has a little bit more to play for as well. They don't want to get relegated. Um, so you make the regular season. Important right now, the Pac-12 is a is a Power Five. So, looking forward, if we were doing is looking at this next year, um, they would not want to p- uh, perform poorly as a conference. So, um, because they wouldn't want to get relegated into having to play in this mid-major tournament. Because, what's the worst thing uh, for a, a team like, let's say, uh, who's the best team in the Pac-12? Like Oregon. What's one of the worst things for a team like Oregon late in the year? As we look at the regular season right now, as they look upon, hey, we're trying to get a number one or a number two or a number three seed because, you know, that's kind of the boat they're in right now. The worst thing for them is playing a team that, you know, on paper can't hang with them. They would hate to have to go play in this tournament that I'm talking about. So they'd, they'd be playing harder during the regular season to kind of qualify for the waiver that either gets the, allows them to skip that mid-major tournament or – by being the best team in the conference or by being a projected... Why, why would a conference like the Pac-12... I feel like I'm kind of doing what you just did to me, where I said, let's put let's have, give more weight to the top seed, and you said, let's scrap the, the conference tournament. I, I don't dislike your idea, but I think that I'm going to go in reverse of what you did to me and say, I, I like it, but I want to go back to almost put that as flex scheduling. Like, whatever conferences can sign up for it... So, my question initially was, why would the Pac-12 do this? Why would any of those top conferences do this? They have nothing to gain by going on the road or even at home against Wichita State or like one of the the better mid majors that are out there against Northern. But what Iowa, are they doing in like the, What are they doing in their own conference tournament though? They're going to a neutral site, quote unquote, and playing a game. If it's Oregon, but they wouldn't. The conference tournament gone. This is basically this would basically be replacing it, right? So, and obviously, a conference right now like Pac-12, probably not too keen on this idea. But again, this is the NCAA we're talking about, not just conference to conference. And this isn't a situation where all the conferences have to be like, damn, we're in. We love this idea. That's not how the NCAA works. Um, But that was just one idea to kind of let's go crazy a little bit. Let's do something with the mid-majors. Give them a shot, uh, the same kind of a shot, but make it a bigger. Like, to be honest with you, I'm tired of seeing teams play each other three times in a season. I don't even want to see like Coppin State play, you know, their biggest conference rival a third time. And and a lot of times that happens. But if we're cross breeding this this thing and and like a Gonzaga and a Nevada can play each other. And again, Gonzaga and Nevada would have the opportunity to uh, to qualify for the waiver to where maybe they don't play in this tournament at all. Um, or they, you know, get a buy all the way to the semis or even the finals for that matter. And again, I'm talking about halves or quarters because there are a ton of mid-majors. It would make the regular season that much more meaningful. It kind of reminds me of the college football, you know, idea that I think we've talked about over the winter. Make the regular season more uh, more meaningful by uh, putting more stakes in it. Don't just make the stakes higher, but more stakes. Hey, Oregon Man, you have to project as a as a four C by the committee or you're in this mid major tournament.
Really quick housekeeping note here. For those of you that are playing high motor bingo today, crossbreeding got knocked off of your, your board. That was a big one. Anyways, I, I, no, I like the idea of, of putting more stakes. I don't, and obviously none of this is going to happen. None of this is realistic, but I think that, but, but why is it unrealistic? Cause the NCAA is not creative and they only care about money. No, but I, I just don't, I don't see any conferences agreeing to, to scrap their NCAA, their, their conference tournament for something like this. If there was more have, money in it, they would. I'm not convinced that they would. I don't think they would. I think they want all of their teams to be playing. They, they, I think I if there was ultimately it. more money in it, even for the conferences that didn't play, the conferences would vote for it. That's all they care about. That's all Larry Scott ca- That's all they care about. Mid-major conferences could I want to keep the conference tournament. So let's go to say that they're going to keep – they're not scrapping all the conference tournaments. What, what if you could – what if you could – no, they're not. And we know they're not doing any of this, but – So then if, why not have it where conferences can sign up for a flex scheduling, bracket busters type of thing where it's like you, you get two days – two games. The, the NCAA's already scrapped the thought like 10 or 15 years ago. That That hasn't changed. They've already but there's a better chance idea. of this happening than, than getting rid of all the conference tournaments. So why don't and, they just make, in that case, so why don't they just make the entire season a seeding tournament after, like, the first day of games? Seriously. Like, like if we're going to go that nuts and think that a flex schedule is legitimate even for a short period of time, why isn't it a, why, why can't we just do it all freaking year? Seriously. Like, why not? And, and, and if you regionalized it, you'd actually cut down on travel costs. What? Why not? Like seriously, why shouldn't the Pac-12? They wouldn't agree to it. There's no way. <laughs> well, they wouldn't agree to any of this. They wouldn't agree to any of this. That's not the point of this. We're fixing it because they can't and won't. Right? Can we talk about NCA transparency? No, no, we can't. Do you think it would be better if there was more? Like we don't even know what the friggin' net is. We're a year and a half into the net, and they still haven't released it. They said that they were considering releasing last year, but obviously that's not going to happen. I think some people may have reverse engineered it, some people smarter than me. But if there was more NCAA transparency with the selection process, if we knew what the net was, or go back to last year. Give us the conversations from last seasons. Give us give us the video of the selection room so we at least know what we're looking for. There is zero transparency now. Or so they do they do the one top sixteen reveal. I think it's like the second week of February. I like that. Why not add that in January? Why not do that every two weeks? So at least when I'm watching a game, and this probably wouldn't wouldn't apply until you get later in the season because there there's still so much going around and the net rankings moving and quadrant records moving all the time. But like late February, I'm sitting here just watching some random game, Texas Tech against K-State or whatever, and I can actually see exactly what is at stake right here. Give me some sort of interactive tool that says if K-State wins this game, where are they going to move? If they lose this game, where are they going to move? How does that compare to to past teams? I know it's hard. It's because basically live results-based bracketology. Right. Why not? I mean, I, I get that the, the selection committee would be in a tough spot because like the playoff committee, they, they basically give us nothing. We have no idea what they're weighing. I mean, the, the language on this selection process is so ambiguous. We don't have a damn clue. We can all guess what they're doing, and I think a lot of it is just our eye test. But how many people are actually sitting down and analyzing the bracketology prediction? There's maybe like three or four guys that are truly doing it. But even with having the net for only a year and a half, it might be tough. But I don't. Why are schools not screaming for more transparency? Maybe they are. Maybe they are. But you know how the NCAA is. If a school comes out against them, like that's a no-no. They get the they get the finger wag. 
So maybe they are behind closed doors. It's just not public, and we don't know about it. Maybe Do you think that would make it better, though. So that, that's going back. It to would. The it absolutely would. It, it absolutely would make it, especially late in the year. But what happens, in like late in December and early January when the conference stuff starts? How do you draw me in? Because you're not at this point. You're not drawing me in at this point. Like, well, I, let me interrupt you. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, what? I like the early season tournaments, the Battle for Atlantis, the Maui Invitational. Those are just fun because it's fun basketball. Do you enjoy that or at what point? But I enjoy that, but I also don't. There are exceptions. Okay, let me be clear. There are exceptions. Like when Kansas played Dayton, that was a fun game. But it also, you knew that Dayton was a pretty good team. And that game meant a hell of a lot more for Dayton than it did for Kansas. Kansas has the schedule, and we've seen that. Even if they would have lost that game, they'd still probably be in the top five in every metric. So even if they lost that game, it meant more for Dayton. So there are exceptions. Here's the problem but with still, it, though. I, I don't like neutral court games, typically. Now it's not a, it's it's not as bad it's not as bad as football it's not nearly as bad as neutral field you know true neutral field games like bowl games it's not nearly as bad as that but I, I don't like it I would rather Dayton go to Kansas or Kansas go to Dayton much rather and there's no reason why more of that can't happen and those preseason tournaments still exist like the, the part of the problem is teams are looking for easy wins again this is just like college football you you get the USC's and the Notre Dame's and the uh, the Clemsons of the world, they're going to take a couple of non-con games that are, they know are going to be blowouts. They know are going to be blowouts. And I think it's garbage. It's terrible for the game. It's not a good fan experience. Uh, and it doesn't matter what conference we're talking about. This isn't just an SEC thing or a Big Ten thing. It happens in every major conference. And it even happens at some point uh, to some level in the lower conferences because they're scheduling uh, schools from other divisions. You know, in football, they might schedule an FCS team or two. Um, in, in basketball, you, know, you you might dip down and, and play a team. You know, you might be at the top of one mid major, and you're going to dip down and play schools that are at the bottom of other mid major. I mean, it's just that's the biggest part of the problem for me. If if Washington was playing, or if UCLA, or if Kansas or Oklahoma was playing more good teams early in the year, I would watch it more. I would seek it out. There was a time, you know, and I'm a lot older than you. I'm, you know. 20 years older than you, Andrew, but there was a time when the only thing that mattered, like, in my little teenage world, seriously, sadly but seriously, was getting home in time to watch Big Monday on ESPN. Like, the Big East, I wanted... And I had no dog in the fight. Uh, You know, it was Villanova and Georgetown and Seton Hall, and it was just... It was crazy great, right? Um, Just more of that. More good teams playing each other that's the thing that matters the most and and all this early season stuff it just it gets old um you know they say hey the the basketball season starts in november not really because you know it's hit and miss it's really hit and miss so you know espn has to force it um you know if you're watching the the big 10 network um you know you're watching freaking wisconsin and you know some team that you know doesn't even qualify um, for a net ranking, you know, it's like, come on, man, like, l- let's just get more games. And I feel the same way about college football. There's just fewer opportunities to do it with college basketball. Like, I don't mind if you have a, an easy game, if, if, you know, Coppin States playing Louisville, I don't mind that once or twice, but there's a lot of that. There are four or five games on every team schedule early in the year. It's garbage. I don't care to watch it, and I can't imagine that the typical college basketball fan, the average college basketball fan, really cares about it either. So there should be some sort of 
so college football, let's take it. Every college football team, most, well, not say every, most college football teams have at least one game where this is not going to be close or there's there's a tremendous um, competitive disadvantage. So that's one. They usually have one or two more where you're like, this is probably not going to be close. I don't know. Maybe it could be. So we're looking at anywhere between like, I don't know, 8 and 25% of their schedule are games that we generally don't care about. With college basketball, with 30-plus regular season games, that number gets put at between like 8 and, I don't know, 12 games that you just you just don't even care about. Right. Like, you know, other than Duke. So what's the max? Is there like a number that you have in mind where you're like, I don't know, I'll give them three games that I don't give a shit about. The rest of them I want to care about. But like, okay, now technically these were exhibition games, but why should I care about exhibition games to begin with? And Duke played what? Northwest Missouri State and Fort Valley State in two exhibition games? Big freaking deal. But then you move on. They played Kansas early on. And then it was Colorado State, Central Arkansas, and Georgia State. And then they had Stephen F. Austin and Winthrop a couple of weeks later. Why? Uh, they, um, like, they played Brown, like, in December. Why? Who cares about Duke Brown? Like, seriously. Because they're going to make a shit ton of money off of it. ESPN can sell the rights. They're going to pack Cameron and all that. But wouldn't Duke and... I don't know. Name any other name another Power Five school. Wouldn't Duke and USC make the same amount of money, if not more, or or something like? Give me a give me a game that has a chance to be like intriguing. And if you and if all of the teams did this, they'd still be on the same playing field. What we have right now is teams looking for the easy wins. They want those easy wins because it's kind of like it's kind of like the preseason, and they don't really get. You know, uh, like a typical preseason, certainly not like the NBA or the NFL does with their stupid four weeks of of preseason and Major League Baseball has spring training. So you don't really get a lot of that. So, you know, they like to play some of those games. Uh, You'll hear coaches even talk about we want to use these games out of conference um, to get ready to kind of use them as a way to get my I mean, the one and done is probably a big problem and it contributes to this conversation. Play more good games. Duke and Michigan State. Play those games more. Why not Duke and Michigan State and Duke and Michigan and North Carolina and Michigan State and North Carolina and Michigan and not leave it up to the Big Ten ACC Challenge, for example? So does this come back to the transparency then piece of it? Because teams don't know. Like, I I look at uh, team sheets and resumes all the time, and, like, one of them right now that I can't figure out is freaking Stanford. The, The net loves Stanford, but the net also says that their resume sucks. So has Stanford just found out a way to to mess with the net that teams haven't figured out and if teams knew exactly what they were scheduling what this game was going to be worth and yeah we can't project I mean a lot of these games are only scheduled a year out or like five months out so many of these basketball games are scheduled in like July for November like you just don't need that much time it's different in football we were scheduling five or six years out so if they knew what all these games were going to be worth or leave some open dates that's where I want flex scheduling just more. Have X number of dates on your calendar and have some other oversight committee match you up with teams that you know exactly how much. It's almost like you like auction or like submit bids for types of games. Like if you are a net 200 team and you're like, oh, God, it's you know, December 18th. The resume kind of sucks. We want a net top 50. This is what we'll pay to do it. Either go to your place, we'll pay for our travel, whatever. Let's have that. Where are they getting the net 200? On on December eighteen, where are they getting that? Because that's what that's what like ten games into the season. Well, I think that's like right when the fine. I just threw a date out, January eighteenth. So let's let's put some let's put two or three flex scheduling games in February. Like have two or three dates open, or like 
every team leaves a Saturday open one Saturday. We just have an entire flex day. We can make because almost we can everybody. Even, we can even make this a lot simpler and a lot more likely that the NCAA would even think about this. A Stanford cannot schedule after I don't know. Let's say December first cannot schedule a William and Mary or a Montana or a Sonoma State. So it's like the Big Ten saying to their their teams, you can't play an FCS team. It's basically like saying after you get a month to, to rev it up, you can play in a, a, this one of these early season tournaments if you want to, but once the calendar turns after, so that's probably, I don't know, seven games maybe into the season. That's like three weeks. We'll say six or seven games. And it was exactly uh, – well, it was it was nine – it was it happened to be nine. I think it's probably a little different every year. It happened to be nine games to get from the start of the season to December 1st for Stanford. Nine games. And in those, in those nine games, they played Sonoma State, Montana, Cal State, Fullerton, Long Beach State, Santa Clara, Maryland, Eastern Shore, get out of here, William and Mary, Oklahoma, and Butler. They played two legitimate games the first nine games of the year, first ten games of the year. I mean, come on, man. Like, so then why not move those early season tournaments to, to December? I mean, let's be honest. Why would I watch that? For... I think that's what it, that, that's what I'm saying. Why would I watch that? We have a better chance of watching it then as opposed to right at a, a awesome the, – the best part of the college football season is when you're actually playing. So, like, the Maui Invitational is when we're looking at playoff rankings. And, yeah, even though where there were some good games this year, ultimately – Nobody gives a shit when we're looking at college football playoff rankings. Why not have all of your cupcakes in, in November for college basketball teams and then move all of these tournaments to, to December, early December, mid-December, and then say by December 1st, like you said, you, you have to either play in one of these tournaments or you can't schedule a team that's outside of the net 150. That would probably be a conference by Are conference you kind thing. of sort of advocating for the season starting a little bit later? Yeah, starting a little bit later. They started. They started on it. They started on October thirty. By the way, I, I don't. By the way, you, you mentioned something a little bit ago when you, we were talking about conference tournaments. Three games in three days. Yeah, I don't really. I, I don't like the three games in three days. But three games in four days, I'm totally fine with. When the team doesn't have to travel, when you're playing at the same place, so maybe the number of games doesn't have to change all that much. Getting us back to this part of the conversation, maybe they can still play. What, what's the regular season supposed to be? At least 28 games, at least 30 games. I can't remember what that number is. Is there a rule? Um, I think there's a there's a minimum of I have minimum no number I... of regular season games that a team can have. So you take your conference schedule because you can't do anything about that, and then you add your non-con around that. I, I think there's a minimum. Um, I don't know what that is. Years ago, it used to be 28. I don't know what it is now, uh, higher or lower. Yeah, because because it's not really a problem. But um, it, you could still meet whatever that number is or stay in, in a similar range as, as teams are now and make the games more interesting. Play better teams. Stanford should not be playing Maryland Eastern Shore. Come on. like Seriously, I want to know what the TV ratings outside the Bay Area was for that game. What are they even inside the Bay Area? What is, I was going to say, what is Stanford's basketball reach? I mean, this is like Rutgers football reach here. Like, what What really, you're not, when you add Stanford, you're not getting the Bay Area. You're just getting, like, Stanford. When you add Rutgers, you're not getting New York. You're just getting New Brunswick. And and if you're a, and if you're a conference like the Pac-12, and again, you know, not to rip on the Pac-12 more, but to rip on the Pac-12 more, the, you know, you're getting that game, and Santa Clara, which isn't always bad, but you know, it's not too good. Right, Long Beach State, Cal State. Who's watching that? 
Like who the you know, and we've kind of split, or at least I have, from let's make the regular season more meaningful to let's make it more interesting. But I do think they bleed together a little bit. Make them more interesting. Uh, you know, making them more meaningful makes them more interesting. And if you make them more interesting by, you know, making Stanford play Oklahoma and Butler early instead of Maryland Eastern Shore, then I'm probably watching that game. And there's a significantly better chance that I'm watching that game. And if you're telling me that game's not more meaningful than Cal State Fullerton or Montana is a month before, I'm going to call you crazy. I don't know if we got closer to fixing college basketball here. Eliminate the regular season, I think, is the answer. Seriously. Eliminate the regular season as we know it. And it's not that far off from what you were just saying. Have uh, uh, What if you just started on January 1st? You get, like, two non-conference games and you jump in. Would that – no, no, seriously. W- would that honestly ruin – would you Would you care? I would not. And I love college basketball. I honestly wouldn't – maybe, like, December 15th. Let's say December 15th because that's kind of when the shitty bowls are going on or whenever, like, after the conference championships or football. Bump it back, like, five or six weeks. You get five or whatever non-conference games, and that's it. Then you just hop into it. Why, why do we need that much? Why not have the regular season be 20 games? I don't know that we do, although, again, now we come to gate. They're going to want the gate. They're going to want the TV money for more games. Wait, I know why we're not doing that, obviously. We, we all know why we're not doing all these things. It's all about the money. If you think about when college basketball has the potential, at least, to become one of the most relevant two or three you know, active sports organizations, it's probably early December after the conference championship games in football, right? Because then it dies. People people watch the bowl games to some extent, but if you're telling me that, you know, Duke and, you know, San Diego State or I'll make it better, Duke and Gonzaga are playing on December 12, you know, a Friday night, um, whether it's at Duke or at Gonzaga or at a neutral court, um, I'm watching that, and I'm probably not really caring about what bowl game I'm missing, right? Like the the, the college football and, and certainly the NFL on, on Sundays for the most part, they dominate. But early December when those conference championship games are over, it dies. The, 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 the TV ratings, um, you know, prove that, and there are no more games to go to until the neutral site bowl games. So I, I don't have a problem starting in December, but why are they playing on October 30? Uh, that I don't get at all. Uh, that I don't get at all. Yeah, we didn't. F- the ironic thing that here that we're also talking about fixing college basketball when the NCAA tournament alone, just the NCAA tournament alone, generates billions of dollars in media revenue. It's interesting how we we feel like it's broken, even though it's working. Yeah, it's certainly not probably it, better than college. It's football, certainly not broken as a whole. But here's the thing: um, if if we talk about this like a like a player or like a team and we think about what the upside is here, there is so much room for more. It, it's it's asinine. And it would be adding more games is what the, the solution would be. Could be adding more games, yeah. But certainly adding more good games. And I would just, you know, to start out, advocate just replacing the, the bad games with the good games. And, you know, you're not always going to get a close game or you're not always going to get the most entertaining game, but you're significantly increasing the chances of a good game, an entertaining game, a game that that fans are more interested in, that both teams care about, and that actually means something as the season moves along and we talk about the NCAA tournament and things of that nature if we're talking about Stanford and Duke instead of Stanford and Montana. Right. Give me the novelty. You know, we're going to wrap it up here, but I talk a lot about, like, with college football, and I want the novelty game. And even though that we both think, I mean, you you think more so that Ohio State is going to blow the doors off of Oregon – in the uh, non-conference game, I think that's week two next season, 
that's still the novelty game of the season. No, no matter how you think that's going to go. We're going to have to get it back going on that, by the way. You're you're right. We're going to have to get it back going. I like Ohio State by a good amount. I don't think they're going to win by 70 like you do. Well, not necessarily 70, but this is going to be a three-plus score game. Yeah. But anyways, my, my, my point is really quickly is that that's the novelty game. We don't have that with college. I mean, that's what makes like the SEC Big 12 Challenge or the ACC Big 10 Challenge. The SEC Big 12 is better because they actually do it during a time when people are watching college basketball. The ACC Big 10 just gets shoved under the rug with all of college football. But with last, I think it was last weekend or two weekends ago with the SEC Big 12 Challenge, like Kentucky, Texas Tech, even though Texas Tech is down a little bit, that's still just a fun novelty game. Even though Tennessee is down a little bit, Kansas-Tennessee is just a fun novelty game. Baylor-Florida, it's a fun novelty game. We need more of that. Like you said, I want to see Duke and Gonzaga playing this weekend. There should be more agreements. I don't know why the Big 12 doesn't have a deal or take whatever conference you want. Why don't you have a deal with like five other conferences? You're not just playing one of these little challenges. You're playing four or five of them maybe every two weeks during the season. You can start in November if you want to. Every two weeks you have a new deal. This week you're playing the Mountain West. Next week you're playing the Big Ten. Next week you're playing the ACC. I think that could work. Especially with well. SOS being such a big deal and net rankings being such a big deal. If, if Duke goes to Gonzaga and loses, it's not going to hurt them that much. And if they play a good game on the road against a team as good as Gonzaga, you know, you can argue it helps them. Well, that's what the beauty of those challenges are, is that even though they, they try to match it up based upon the la- what they think those teams are going to be good or the, the market value or whatever, and even though Texas Tech is down this season, Kentucky's still going to Lubbock and winning. It's huge for them. And that way you get usually all the crappy, shitty teams out of the way. They're playing crappy, shitty teams themselves. Therefore, it doesn't matter what happens to them. You're only giving good opportunities to the good teams to build up that resume. We talked about that with flex scheduling with the Conference USA. It's kind of the same deal there. It is. You know, the the, the number one fix here, Dowdy, just, just to end this, is just to bring back the old Big East. Just bring it back. Big East is fun. I had John Fanton a couple weeks ago. Big East is But, is but I need basketball. the old Big East. It's still fun basketball, though. That That's another challenge with the Power Five. I mean, like DePaul, are they really a high major? No. But they're in the Big East with several other high major teams. I just need I just need John Thompson and Lou Carnesecca and Roly Massimino and, amazingly, Bayheim is still doing his now thing. Now you're just dating um, yourself. That's great. Well, I mean, I said I was damn near twice as old as you. Um, I just miss that. I miss that, and, you know, maybe there's just no help in Churchill. I'll be back this week with another episode of the High Motor Podcast. I am working on a good, I arguably a great guest. Hoping that comes through. Jason, always a pleasure. We'd love to have you back soon. We'd love to have all of you back as well. Thanks for dropping by the High Motor Podcast. I saw a friend today. It had been a while. And we forgot each other's names. But it didn't matter because deep inside. The feeling still remained the same We talked of knowing one before you've met And how you feel more than you see And other worlds that lie in spaces in